sometimes we need to do a thing that looks or seems exactly opposite of what we might believe would be helpful. So if you have social anxiety, if you feel like you might lose your words or freeze up when you're in a group of people, what would you think about joining an improv group? Yeah, that's exactly opposite of what you might think would be helpful. But after you listen to what my guest today talks about, you are going to think differently. So he teaches folks to face this fear of social anxiety and have fun with the imperfect failings that come from doing improv. In this episode, I talk with fellow Atlanta psychotherapist, Murray Dabby, about his group, Curtain Up, Anxiety Down. Now, Murray is a community builder, educator, activist, advocate, and social therapist. He has founded, developed, and directs several therapeutic groups that focus on relationship skill building. That could be the Couples College, Atlanta All-Stars, the Atlanta Center for Social Therapy, or Curtain Up Anxiety Down, which is what we spend time talking about today. So when I first heard of what he was doing to help folks with social anxiety, I thought, this is freaking brilliant. And I knew I wanted to have him on to tell me all about where this idea came from, how he got it going, and all the amazing transformations he's witnessed in the years that he's been helping others get to know their anxious self in a completely unique way. And I want us people pleasers and perfectionists to still be tuned in to this because we do have anxiety, right? I mean, we might not identify completely with social anxiety, but a lot of us freeze up and want to do things exactly right. So that perfectionism that gets, you know, kind of nudged to the side when you're doing improv, I think you'll find it interesting what we talk about. And also people pleasers. We lose our words. And improv could be actually a fantastic way for you to just fumble with words and learn to own what you're saying and have fun with it. Oh my gosh, have fun with it. Oh, and one more thing about Murray. He is an author, a musician, and an international group facilitator. So, (laughs) I mean, having him share his story on the show was not only entertaining, it was at times jaw-dropping. And you will figure out what I mean when you listen. Okay, let's break a leg and get started. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Hey, everybody. So we have a guest today, and I'm excited to have Murray here because he is a fellow Atlantan and a therapist who I have been admiring from afar. Murray and I haven't really met. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. Sorry. I get to, you know, fan girl myself. Um, (laughs) um, He has been somebody I have been aware of in the Atlanta therapist arena for many, many years. 
and I have participated in continuing ed workshops and he's been there and been on panels. And so, yeah, when I reached out to him to talk about this unique thing that he does that I'll get into in just a second, I was excited that he was willing to do this. So Murray, welcome. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers. (laughs) Power to the Pleasers. I love that title. And and thank you so much for having me. And, you know, and I've known your work for a long time as well. So, uh, you know, it's like we hear each other through emails and through conversations and through things. So, uh, so really, really a pleasure, pleasure to be here. Good, good. Well, I teased this saying that there is something that you do that I have been fond of for a long time. Um, And I also want to say that you do couples work, you do individual work, you do lots of social activism. But this thing has always been like, that is super cool. And I want to know what's going on with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this thing is curtain up anxiety down and it's your social anxiety improv group. Mm-hmm. What the hell? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about this is amazing. Yes. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about that because people pleasers and perfectionists, uh, whether we identify with having social anxiety or not, I believe that we Right. We feel like we don't want to stick our foot in our mouth or we don't want to make a mistake when we're, especially when we're in a group of people. Um, So introduce us to this social anxiety improv group idea and then I'll pick your brain. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I had been doing um, some improv work for a bit uh, for personal reasons. I did it because I was quite a shy guy. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy I, I, when I first did group therapy, you know, as a client many, many years ago, I literally did not talk for a year. So in group, so, um, and, uh, so, but recently I did a workshop, um, this is like now recently 10 years ago or so. And, um, and it was a workshop on, on play and performance. Um, and, uh, Leslie Fredman, who is my collaborator in this, um, came to the workshop and at the end of the workshop uh, said to me, it would be great to do something together. And then we started to talk about what we might be able to do. And we heard that Second City in Chicago was doing a version of this, but not the same. They were, they separated therapy and improv. You know, they, they kind of uh, did the improv and then they'd have a psychologist who did more CBT oriented stuff and, and uh, to to work with people on that, but we decided that we would create a program that would be, and it was a twelve week program that would be both processing, talking together, but as well a lot of play and performance. And we've been doing that now for ten years, uh, twice a year, maybe three times a year, depending um, uh, for for clients uh, that come in and say. And uh, it's amazing to me that you know, they have the courage <laughs> to come in and say, I have social anxiety. I don't, I need help. And my therapist is twisting my arm. So I should go in and get help. So, um, so that's, that's what it is. You know, I mean, I think of that as a, uh, a playful form of exposure therapy, which exactly. is often the best kind of way to deal with fears and so on. Um, you know, I, uh, we, 
people share their, you know, their histories a little bit, but also mostly get into just playing non-verbally and then verbally. Oh my gosh. I have two types of excitement. One is the nervous excitement, even when you talk about it. And then one is the excitement, excitement about like how expansive this is for folks that do this. And you're right. It is a courageous act to show up and say, I'm going to be here and I'm going to, I know we kind of talked a little bit before we actually decided to, um, to show up today and, and, um, record together, but folks that show up and say, I'm going to be willing to make a mistake, right? I'm going to be willing to be imperfect. And that's kind of what I loved about it is because I know my perfectionist is the part that's going like, oh my God, oh my God, am I going to do this right? But then yeah, the play aspect seems to just kind of tone down that um, yeah. perfectionism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me, it's how children learn. Oh. Um, when, when you're a young kid and, you know, we draw, I draw a lot of this from Lev Vygotsky, an educational psychologist, um, who a lot of people don't know about and, you know, interested in having people, you know, learn about him. He talked about children learn to perform as speakers and are related to as speakers before they know how to, before they know that isn't even such a thing. And if you create that kind of environment with how children learn, by relating to them as a head taller than they are, uh, as Vygotsky would say, and um, and you create an environment. And I do this in groups as well as in my improv work. You're relating to people in advance of who they think they can be, and that helps people to kind of grow in the way that at the rapid rate that children learn language and grow and learn to be drawer writers or artists or other kinds of things we relate to them as oh here's a scribble oh that's wonderful you know or they babble as kids you know as as little infants and what do we do we talk back to them we 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 say oh oh would you like a banana are you hungry like yeah 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 okay you love bananas and we, we relate to them as speakers and through the process we creatively imitate what we they hear and that the evolution of speaking is a relational activity it's a social activity Mm. so yeah and especially as adults you know we've forgotten how to play or i mean i i know for me play is is one of those things that's sort of like on the side of my to-do list it's it kind of doesn't even make it on the to-do list it feels like I'm not really sure what that means. Like my husband and I just mm-hmm. recently started just kind of fooling around with pickleball. Like there's not a place <laughs> to get a pickleball court here in Atlanta, especially in the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. But I I got us a little set for <clears throat> Christmas and we just kind of, you know, bat it back and forth. And there's even something in that that makes me feel like, okay, I've never been a tennis player. I don't know how to play t- pickleball, but... I should be able to do this well, right? So mm-hmm. even the play aspect of it has a little constriction around it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of reason for that. I mean, you know, we learn this form of play when we're really young, but then we get into school and we kind of think, oh, we have to get all this information in our heads by ourselves. 
rather than the way that we may do it collectively. We may do it in ensemble, in families, and in all kinds of ways. And, you know, and there's a lot of pressure to be successful and to be, you know, to get it right and to know not, you know, to have knowledge and to be able to spit it out on a test. So the, 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 our educational kind of focus in, in our culture uh, changes what learning and development is. You know, so, so you're sort of taking us back to the play when we when you show up for your social anxiety improv classes. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. How do you introduce that to folks? How do you help? How do you help your folks relearn play or get comfortable with that sort of coloring out of the lines? Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing that we try to do is, in, in we start the class, it's more nonverbal. We might have people play by, um, by writing their names in the air, and it looks like a little dance. And so we then work with that and then have two people do that together and turn it into a little dance, uh, an ensemble that people start to play together. So we, we start with a lot of different nonverbal exercises because verbal, getting it right that way is even more challenging than like, oh, we can move a little bit. You know, we can move a little bit. Um, and the first thing we do also in the class is we play with failure. So um, so people, um, we, we encourage people to say, if you've made a mistake or you feel bad or you can't do something, yell it out i've made a mistake and and, and then we had the whole, entire class applaud i love and, this and and so when the entire class applauds then you realize oh the performance of making a mistake can be a different thing than what i usually walk around with in an internalized state you know that that I can i can share the mistake and people could love on me and people could see the social value of that so we 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 create that kind of atmosphere because you have to create an atmosphere of and an literally an adoring audience sometimes yes. to, to have you know just like mommy used to do when we were little you know oh that's beautiful you know <laughs> some of us hopefully you know not all of us right. had mommies that did that you know but so that's another matter you know but 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 people get with that it's like finally i'm getting that kind of you know, love and recognition and, you know, appreciation. And then it builds, you know, and we, and we develop the exercises, you know, we have some of our formats for it, but we develop the exercises based on what people want to work with. And uh, some people want to work with speaking, you know, in a, in a board meeting and some people want to work with, um, I can't even, you know, ask somebody out on a date or, uh, you know, can't, you know, all of that kind of stuff. We create, pseudo uh, cocktail parties where people have to mingle around with with and but but to do it in a weird way and you know me leslie and i we're the we're the waiter waiters that walk around and and uh you know kind of instigate and create sort of scenes for people you know <laughs> so lots of ways that we do that so you know so people find it very you know very fun and very challenging and and you know when we get into the verbal exchange we, we start with um uh not worrying about language but making up a language so and we we get people to use gibberish oh my gosh 
And so this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and so we have, we have teams of people who talk in gibberish and then they, then we'll have one person who speaks in gibberish and the other person translates for the group, you know, what they say. So, you know, it's just zany fun. You have threatened to do this for therapists in Atlanta. I know that you have said before (laughs) that you were going to do this. And I put myself on some kind of list that said I Uh wanted to. So I am putting, I'm putting you on notice that this is a request. (laughs) And if you need me to, I will be the one that, that conjures up 10 other therapists who want to do this in Atlanta. I would, and we would love that. Okay. <laughs> Everything that you're saying, I can like picture happening on stage because I did a intro to improv years and years ago with a friend you of mine who is an actress in the Atlanta area. And she always laughs because when she first met me, she was like, she said to herself, I got to crack that nut. Like she just knew that I was like this tight ass or something. Right. And so (laughs) she got to know me, I guess she had this little plan. And then she said, do you want to do this improv group? And I don't know why I immediately jumped on it. I thought, of course I would want to, maybe it was just because it was her and I got to spend more time with her, but I have never laughed. I mean, I laugh like that with my college girls just because we know each other so well and everything that they do makes me laugh. But yeah. I have laughed. I I just remember that class so fondly. And yeah. just the things that we we did. We didn't do any of the exercises you're talking about, but I can imagine us on stage doing this gibberish and translating and just me not even being able to get the gibberish out. I'm laughing so much. So I imagine mm-hmm. that that... Well, are your folks laughing? Are your folks like you're saying zany, you know, like mm-hmm. how is that for them when they're usually tight and kind of small in that social anxiety yeah. way? Like, what is it like for people? Like, what are you hearing people say or yeah. how are you seeing yeah. people transform? Well, there are a lot of um, fears of, uh, you know, and one of the fears is like, oh, I got to be funny. Um, and we, and we basically talk about improv, not as something to be funny because improv could be very serious, but just the doing of it, you know, somebody making a comment like, you know, oh, I just landed from Mars. And the other person might say, yeah, (laughs) can be very, very silly and very funny. Or, you know, landing from Mars and you could say, oh, what's the weather like up there? You know, right. uh, so so we, we encourage people to just be present with what is being said. And that's a challenging thing because we all can spend time in our heads thinking about the right thing to say and mm-hmm. how to say it. And we try to help people move it so, you know, quickly enough so that we don't have time uh, to do that. But yeah, people have gotten a lot of help from it. We had one one man who came into the group who was, um, he's just been in front of the computer in his entire life. He was in his 40s, uh, an Indian man and significantly overweight, very poor body image kind of thing. And he his brother's wedding was coming up and he was afraid to be there because he would have to dance and he's never danced before. Okay. So... We worked with him and we worked with the whole class 
because we do a lot of movement. We introduce every class with a little bit of movement. By the fifth class, he was moving around dancing. Oh, and, and so uh, it was like, you know, and he said, I never thought that I could move that way. I'm so ashamed of my physicality, of my body. And we've had a number of people work on body image issues in the class in that way, because you have to use your body as mm-hmm. a performer. You, you have to, in a way, lead with the physicality and then the, the words and everything follow for us. Um, that uh, that made such a big difference for him, you know, and for other people. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's lots of, you know, different stories of transformation. That one was a dramatic one for me because I was worried, you know, whether we could, you know, help him with overcoming that kind of, you know, challenge, uh, you know, for of, of, of dance. So, you know, um, lots, lots of things. I mean, I experienced that myself, uh, that part of what got me into improv and, yeah. it, uh, you know, I mean, one is that, um, I, it's a professional thing, but also a, a personal thing. I practice social therapy and that's a approach that's rooted in, um, performance as key to development we draw from Vygotsky. So we, we work to, to help stretch, whether it's in group therapy or in couples therapy or in other kinds of ways. But personally, I was a super shy guy. I mean, I, you know, my family were uh, immigrants here. I was, a you know, the first stage. I, my, my focus was on assimilating, fitting in. Yes. I, I, ba- I barely spoke. I learned to listen well. But I barely, you know, gave of myself in a lot of ways because I was too terrified to. And then I moved to Atlanta and I was being asked because I had some expertise to give talks. And I was freezing on stage, you know, in the middle of a a talk. And then I took an improv with, you know, uh, basically course with, with some of the social therapy folks where I had to perform on stage a minute of my life and with with and then get a direction to do something with it. And it was the most terrifying moment in front of 150 people. But I found out I could do that. Yes. And uh, even though, I mean, mainly what I performed is, I hate being on stage. I hate being on stage. <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> appropriate. I was giving what what's going on. And, and so then I came back uh, from one of those events and, had to give a talk. It was at NASW and it was on, on the family. And, um, and you know, I had all these papers. I was overprepared. Mm-hmm. And I froze for a, for a time that felt like, like like a half hour. But I think it was it was longer than usual. You know, okay. it probably was. A, I couldn't even find my place anymore on the paper. So I took the paper. I did something wild and dramatic. I took the papers. I threw it up in the air. <laughs> I'm silently like, clapping right now. Yes. <laughs> and then I got out from behind the podium and I basically said, um, you know, uh, these these are the principles I want to teach, but I'm much better in conversation. So let's have a dialogue. And I kind of did an Oprah thing, you know, where I just walked around and talked to people and, and had conversation that way. And it was the most liberating thing to me when I did that. And so... Uh, you know, ever since then, I mean, do prepare, but I do, you know, try to do my 
my talks and I taught at college, you know, graduates level and, you know, to do them all more extemporaneously, you know, just being, being more genuine and real. And, you know, that was an evolving process. So, so improv for me kind of literally saved my own life, you know, just in terms of um, dealing with all the growing up, you know, anxiety, you know, that I went through. Right. And isn't it fascinating? I mean, we all as, you know, therapists, we all have something in our background that stimulates our (laughs) career choice and then where we go on that career path. And to hear that, like I, at this point, at this stage in my life, that feels exactly what you said. It feels liberating. It feels freeing to be able to drop the expectations and the shoulds around I am a presenter and this is how I do it. And yet it sounds like it was something that was already formulating in you or it was, you know, having done the the improv, you know, personally and then having this presentation to do. It's like you really used something that you took in knowledge wise. It was also body wise, of course, I'm sure with your social therapy improv group, but you put it into action. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think I love so much about what you're doing with social anxiety and improv is because it's, it's taking it out of the therapy room, which I will never discount what happens in the therapy room, but there is so much more. It, there's such a, I, I've experienced as a client myself, and then I've experienced with my clients when they come back in after we've met and we've talked about something they could go kind of quote unquote practice and they do freeze, right? And so you're offering this experience of safe exploration and experimentation, but it's it's actually still doing something, right? It's still yeah. you know yeah. putting action yeah. to what they're learning. Yeah, because oh, yeah. aren't there mul- aren't there multiple ways to learn? Yes. you know even even in the couples work that I do, we you know we have a course. Uh, you learn differently when you're sitting in sort of a classroom setting, you know, where you're listening with other people and you're then in a therapy room talking about interactions and, and getting into the emotionality of it. So, uh, and we learn through physical things. We yes. learn through, you know, you go to a gym and you learn how to lift weights or move around. So there's a lot of ways we all grow and, and learn and, and we should make use of of it all you know mm-hmm. i'm an advocate for performance and improv being a much more important part of the therapeutic uh arsenal that we have to work with but it's hard to do you know it's hard to do because often we have offices with one other person and there's it's a, it's a little intimidating to do that but sometimes yeah let's let's play together let's 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 make up a language here while we're talking if you don't know what to say just say it in babble you know you know and yeah Mm -hmm. I just feel like the word permission keeps coming up it's like you have permission Mm -hmm. to to yeah experiment I mean I'm Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to experiment and have an intention of doing walk and talk therapy or being outside Mm. with folks and just having nature be 
an element in the therapeutic process. And so when I'm hearing yeah. you talk, it's like I can relate it to something that would be uh, no yeah. bit more natural for me. Um, yeah. But it is, yeah, uh, no. it's necessary to, to take yeah. it outside of just the, not just, but a more cognitive approach to processing what's been going on for a client. Yeah, like when you think about it, there's ways in which therapy in the room is face-to-face. And then when you're walking, you're side-by-side. Yes. And that can have the experience in a way of doing something together and the nature and the natural mm-hmm. kind of moment. We we think in different ways, side-by-side, mm-hmm. face-to-face. You know, it's a you know different experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And so you had experience, you have performance arts in your background as personally, right? What, what have yeah. you done with that? Have you been? Well, well, well uh, you know, when I was a teen and one of the ways that, uh, you know, I was really super shy. I went to a music and art high school. Okay. Um, I got into that. And so the thing that, that saved me back then is, you know, and this was like, you know, the late 60s, very late 60s. I graduated from high school in 1970. And I just worked really hard to be, you know, the kind of literally the best guitar player in the school. You know, there's literally an article about me uh, with me and my buddy Paul Stanley from Kiss. <laughs> and and I, you know, and they said, well, Paul Stanley made it, but Murray, go figure, he became a therapist in Atlanta, but he is the best, was the best guitar player there. So, so, and it really saved me because I was, you know, I had this big giant mop of hair and I could hide behind it, but I could be on stage and, and perform. And so, um, you know, so I, I, I did that. I paid my way through graduate school as a guitar player, you know, uh, so in, in, in New York City. And then, you know, um, moved to Atlanta. I stopped playing for a long time, about 12, 13 years ago. I started playing out again. And now I'm out about playing every weekend somewhere. Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. Amazing. I hope to yeah. see you somewhere. You yeah. Have to. Yeah. Tell me offline where you might I, be. I will keep you posted. Okay, that's yes. great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And the, so you've always been creative. Like you've always had that, that outlet for yourself. Um, yeah. And I can imagine I mean, even with your mop of hair and your guitar, you're still on stage, <laughs> you're still performing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you're still ha- giving yourself your creative um, expression. And I wanted to mention that you have another creative expression that's happening, that's coming out. You wrote a book. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, something that I never thought I would do. You know, I I went to a psychic about uh, 26, 7, 8 years ago in New Orleans with my wife. And uh, the psychic told us a couple of things, told us what our future daughter would look like uh, and that we adopted and uh and told us that and told me i would write a book so the daughter happened and she looked just like the psychic oh my goodness and uh and and um but i you know i put off writing a book but then during the pandemic i wrote a i wrote an article uh for voices it's a one of the journals of the american academy of psychotherapy on transitioning 
a, a practice and particularly an improv practice. I actually did a little both, but they wanted just to focus on one to a Zoom setting. Wow. So, so I was doing improv on Zoom and I was doing it there and I was doing it around the world, actually, because there was a need for it. Yeah. I, well, I helped to create the Global Play Brigade uh, and, and uh, you know, in Wuhan, China and in other places where the lockdown happened first and we knew it was going to go around the world. Um, we created improv with a hundred people on Zoom like this, um, and everybody was just making funny faces and doing, and it was like a connecting thing. And uh. so the global, so the global play brigade kind of became a thing during the pandemic, and it still exists. And now it's, uh, you know, in different countries and different different places. So I wrote an article about some of that, and it got published. And wow, that that happened. So. Then a friend of mine, um, who's a coach, wanted to write a book on running groups and and coaching couples, and so we we had so I said, sure you know, and we we uh, we uh, made an application to Rutledge Press. They accepted it. <laughs> Of course they did. That's what the psychic said. <laughs> you might have forgotten what they said, but that's yes. right. That, yes, yes. And so, so then, yeah, we spent the year writing a book, and it's going to be coming out yet. And it's called "Social Therapeutic Coaching: A Practical Guide to Group and Couples Work." Um, and we're excited about it coming out. Mm. We we it, it it talks a lot about the loneliness crisis in yes. this country. And the relationship of loneliness and individualism and the need to kind of create and see the group and see the broader picture, see us in shared ensembles and, and collective. And that's uh, a new way to see in doing groups, even in groups, you know, we can do groups, but we'll may focus on individual people and giving them help rather than working on creating the group. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of a lot of the book t- speaks to that in a very practical way with tons of examples. And uh, I'm really pleased with the way it came out and look forward to it being out. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it, to me, that seems fun that uh, you collaborated with someone, which is appropriate great. for, for yeah. the, for the, um, the theme. Yeah. I know it's much harder than, you know, fun, but I think it does, it sounds like it brings together what you, um, where you're passionate about, what your heart speaks to about connection and helping others, helping people through being in relationship with others and Mm -hmm. sharing that. And I just want to loop back to the improv for a moment and then, um, see if there's anything else that, um, that we can throw at the audience to uh, to maybe even practice on their uh-huh. own with improv. So in creating the group, well, how many people are usually in the group when you do a class? And it's, it's 10 to 12. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's enough ways to interact and have pairs and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's with everybody from, uh, high, uh, college level, like just starting college and, you know, the anxiety of young people going to college. Some people had to drop out and, you know, because they couldn't deal with the social 
experience of it. Two, we've had, you know, people in their 70s who just retired and they don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> you know, That's so. exactly what I was going to ask is what is the group? How, you know, because I imagine that there aren't just going to be, you know, a bunch of 40 year olds there. So exactly. what is that like to bring those different generations together? It is actually lovely. It's actually fun because, you know, they don't often get together. Mm-hmm. And and it's a it's a level playing field. You know, everybody is in the same boat with the anxiety and it's wonderful for people, especially younger people, to hear, Oh, here's a fifty year old woman who's anxious about, you know, talking and being with people. You know, this is not just something that I'm experiencing. So it helps to, you know, to kind of um mitigate the shame and the you know, the experience that people have of them being the only ones, which is a very easy experience, you know, that we all have, you know, we can feel that way. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a wonderful kind of atmosphere for people learning, you know, yeah, like, you know, one person who's a dropout, another person who's a dentist, you know, or a doctor or whatever. And yeah, and they were all in the same. We had a doctor once in the, in the group who excellent doctor she knew her role but she wasn't able to go out and do outreach and to meet people and go to meetings and she was terrified and what we got into was um her childhood fantasy was being a fairy dancer like she you know and so we had her perform we did a cocktail party <laughs> and we had her perform as the fairy dancer going from person to person just <laughs> dancing along it was like transformative for her you know because she could kind of live out this childhood wish at the same time that she is being very you know very present with with people it was a beautiful beautiful moment <laughs> you know and now i know where you're saying like there's too many stories of transformation to share, but I, I, I also imagine that the other folks in these groups, when a person is able to kind of identify the thing that they want to work on, I want to dance for my, at my brother's wedding, or, you know, I want to, I want to release this inner child that's been, you know, in a, behind museum glass for so long. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine that the rest of the group, is like their judgment is suspended. Like there, there's a sense of openness towards this person who is going outside of their comfort zone. Not that they know they're going to, their turn's going to be coming and they better be less judgmental, but just mm-hmm. that natural, like, Oh, like, look at this person. They are, they're doing their thing. And isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. Can yeah, you speak yeah. to that a little bit, like dropping some of the judgment of others? And Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, uh, you know, generally in that class, people are so anxious being there that they don't have much room for judgment, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, everybody's worried about themselves uh, so much. So uh, so there, there is a way that the class lends itself to, you know, to being a fairly judgmental-free you know, environment. Mm-hmm. And we, we work on, you know, on appreciating everything as a gift. Anything that somebody says, yes, and it's yes. A, a fundamental improv, you know, it's a gift 
to continuing conversation or continuing play or continuing whatever we're doing. So, um, you know, so people are more often more judgmental of themselves in the process, you know, than they are of others. And I do think that we are harder on ourselves than, than anybody is of us. You know, if we could be live in a world where we could often see ourselves through other people's eyes, it would be much more relaxing because there's much more love out there. You know, we live, you know, in a crazy time right now and there's, you know, all kinds of things and polarization, but people face to face usually do appreciate, you know, um, other, other people when you, when you create the right environment for that to happen. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, uh, for some reason I'm thinking about a little exercise and I don't know if this has to do your question, but you know, when we do like a, like we, when people graduate from the course, mm-hmm. you know, they, they give, they, they give a, a graduation speech, but they have to give it in a weird way, like give it in a rainstorm or doing an earthquake. <laughs> well, this was great being here. <laughs> I love the term that you, that's the second time you've said that. I remember it piqued my interest in a weird way. I'm like, I'm so (laughs) on board with in a weird way. Like that couldn't Uh, be any better. Like just sign me up, you know, because you show up ready for your graduation speech and then probably you and your co-leader are like, all right, do this. Uh, (laughs) With one leg up on a chair or something. It's like, exactly. it's like, okay, wasn't ready for that. Didn't plan for that. Exactly. In a weird way. Yeah, I'm going to have to weave yeah. that into something. Yes, yes. It's definitely useful. It's useful, you know. And, and it's useful for people to do that just on their own. I mean, when I walk through the supermarket, um, I might think of music. I mean, I sometimes wear a little you know, headphones and listen to music, but I'll just think, because I'm a musician, I'll think of music and I'll skip along, you know, and, uh, and, you know, yeah, people are looking and sometimes I'm self-conscious, but mostly I'm just, who cares? I'm skipping. And then somebody, you know, looks and smiles and says, oh, this, you know, <laughs> this right. is somebody that's mar- marching to their own tune, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, you know, do something like that. Be extra friendly when you talk to the cashier, you know, instead of, you know, doing the job, you know, yeah, you must have had a long day, you know, when do you get to leave, you know, Uh, little things like that, where you don't expect that. It's a little, it's an improv thing where you're just trying something out. And you're creating environments wherever you go. Mm hmm. The try something out, I I think that is, that's what I appreciate about what you're talking about the class is that, and what I was saying about how we get tripped up when we leave the therapy office, or we even have like a really fun, engaging coffee or lunch with a friend. And they're sort of, they see us in that way that you're talking about. And they're like, you can totally do this. And you're like, I'm so pumped up. And then like 30 minutes later, you're like, well, that person isn't sitting right next to me anymore, encouraging right. me. So I completely lost it. But to have these little non-threatening ways, like non-threatening to yourself, right? Yeah. Non-threatening yeah. ways to just, um, 
I don't know, drive your car like this, you know, with your elbows up or something. I don't know what it, you know, it's like whatever yeah. it could be as long exactly. as it doesn't sound very safe. But, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, like when I was a runner and I would uh, run in the neighborhood and I'd wear my, my, you know, AirPods or whatever, there would be songs that would come on and like a Michael Jackson song, I would just stop and turn in the sidewalk and kind of like dance. And then I'd keep going because it was like the music moved me so much that I just, I basically told my brain to F off for a second. I'm like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. So I feel like that that's some of the essence of what you've been talking about. That's a beautiful example. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that we're going to give folks links to how they can find you and all the kind of things. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully there is a little promo or something we can let them know about the book um, as well in the show notes. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you had something to share with folks, if it it was like, you just wanted somebody to know um, kind of an, an, in closing, like something that mm-hmm. you feel like would be helpful for people just to have as a takeaway. Um, mm. What would it be? Mm. What do you want folks to know about what you do? That, that, that's a good question. Um, I think of the effort that I have is as a way to change the world we live in. Mm. Um, because um, we live in a world with so much debate, tension, conflict, differences, and um, learning to create an environment that's more inclusive, performatory, playful, appreciating the humanist in all of us mm-hmm. um, is is so important. So I think about this as a social activist mission um, for myself as this, and, and for many of the friends and there's a whole performance community around the world that's affiliated with where I where I teach and train from the uh, Eastside Institute for Social Therapy and the Eastside Institute in New York and it's eastsideinstitute.org. And so we we think of it as a social mission. And mm-hmm. that's hopefully to, to have a bigger picture of what inspires us because a lot of people are concerned about, every, you know, so much. And uh, these little moments change things and for us and for people we relate to. Right. Right. I love that. And it just reminds folks that they, they don't have to be always on the front lines doing something super, you know, out of their comfort zone to have that sexual activism um, intention. And yeah, it can show up in lots uh, of different creative ways. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah we need more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, I really have loved being in your energy and I I understand what um you are living out your play. Like I can feel that when I talk to you. It's a very mm. permissive, very um easy uh flexible um energy to be in and I um yeah, I I bet you're yeah. good at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Thank you, and I I love your energy, and I loved our conversation. It was just, you know, I you know I I 
deeply loved it. So thank you. Yes. Very yes. Much. Thanks for what you're doing and okay. everybody listening. Um, I will give you all the info to find Murray on the interwebs and in Atlanta, if you're around and, um, so, all right, there is hope for us socially anxious folks out there to do something <laughs> a little different and to tap into our creativity and to begin to find that permission and freedom within ourselves, um, that liberation that you talked about. So, all right, everyone, thanks for hanging with us um, and I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If this has been helpful for you, I'd so appreciate it if you could take a moment and just rate and review, and then others might be able to find us more easily. And please also share with friends that could use this information too. Okay, thanks again, and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future. Take care.